You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome one, welcome all. We hope that you made all of your clocks fall. It is Monday, Football Monday, the best show by the SB Nation NFL Show. I am RJ Ochoa. He is Pete Sweeney. He is Michael Kist. Week 8 is just about in the books. We are approaching the halfway point of the 2020 NFL season. And how are you guys feeling, Kist? Did you uh, enjoy your extra hour? What'd you do with it? Uh, no, I did not because uh, that extra hour, I felt like I lost 24 hours watching that Eagles-Cowboys game last night. I'm sure we'll mm. discuss it later. I, I don't think anybody wanted to be there or win that game, and nobody's happy about it. It. Other than that, I was actually grateful that the Eagles played at night because I could enjoy the one o'clock games, the four o'clock games without worrying about, you know, a, a different mess. So otherwise, you know, pretty, pretty good weekend. I thought it was a fun uh, slate, of, slate of games on Sunday. Sure. The two most important teams did play on Sunday Night Football. <laughs> um, it is what it is, obviously. Uh, Pedro, what'd you do with your extra hour? Chiefs, seven and one, eight games into the year, halfway through the season. Well, we're halfway there. The NFC East is living on a prayer. Uh, was a tough game to watch, I thought, on Sunday Night Football. At least the Chiefs took care of business earlier. Speaking of living on a prayer, Adam Gase is uh, is a special man. The fact that he has a job still, incredible. Uh, luckily, tomorrow's election day. We'll see if he gets voted out of the Jets head coach position. Pete, no big deal. Um, and, of course, this is barring the results of Monday Night Football, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers visiting the New York Giants. And so we could have an extra one. But you mentioned the Kansas City Chiefs have seven wins on the season. Guess what, bud? The NFC East has eight. So, I mean, <laughs> who's who's the joke really on here? Um, let's get into it. So, uh, Kist, you mentioned the ability to watch all of the 1 o'clock and 4 o'clock games. We were treated to a dandy, a rescheduled game, obviously due to this season's unique challenges. A battle for the AFC North going down in uh, the Queen City? Is that what Baltimore is? I'm not totally certain. I know that uh, the Tracy Turnblad woke up uh, in Baltimore feeling... A particular way down in hairspray and whatnot, but the Pittsburgh Steelers outlasting the Ravens 28 to 24, the only undefeated team in the NFL and kissed the Lamar Jackson slander is here. Defense has got that film on Lamar. Watch out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this was the number two DVOA defense of the Steelers against the number three defensive of the, uh, the, the Ravens. And it was the Steelers defense that struck first with Robert Spillane. You, you didn't know him before, but now you know him. He got the pick six on Spillane drive one. Explain that to us. <laughs> I, I really wanted to see how this Ravens offense looked uh, coming out of the bye after they looked out of rhythm going into it. And their passing attack ranked 21st in DVOA heading into this game. They did have a touchdown drive, but that was sandwiched by like two turnovers from Lamar Jackson early. And speaking of turnovers, this is the fourth game for Lamar this season with multiple turnovers. He was responsible for four in this game alone, and he had another fumble that he didn't lose. He had three picks against the Steelers last year as well. His worst game of the year back in week five of 2019 
the Steelers are giving him serious fits. Uh, J.K. Dobbins really was the only bright spot for this offense. 15 carries, 113 yards, look great. Tough runner, great contact balance. But this passing game needs some life, and Lamar has to take care of the football if I'm going to stop asking if this team is the James Harden of the NFL. Uh, also, the Ravens had another big blow. Ravens left tackle. Ronnie Stanley got landed on. It's a huge loss. He was playing playing like a top five tackle in the league, and now his season is over. He hadn't allowed a sack all year, only allowed one last year. Total stud that had just gotten paid five years, 99 mil just a, just a few days ago. It was like three days ago he signed that deal. So uh, the Ravens can put a guy in his place, but there was like no replacing him. Uh, with the Steelers' defense, I thought T.J. Watt played out of his mind. I, th- I believe the recent news on Cam Hayward, whose injury looked bad, uh, is that he's okay, but he had to come out of the game. Tyson Alualu also went down. Didn't matter for the Steelers. Overall, this felt like a classic slug-it-out old-school AFC North slobber knocker and I'm all about that. It was a fun game. And look, the, the team that I thought was going to be sneaky good, the Steelers, uh, upends the team that I thought was going to be the one seed in the AFC coming into this season. And they are in firm control of the North now. So look out for the Steelers, man. They are dangerous. Pete. I think a lot of times we... Ooh, we he's, he's hurt. He's hurt by the Steelers threatening yeah, the Chiefs. Well, I, I wouldn't, you can hear it in his voice. I wouldn't say that. I, I think a lot of times we build up division games and they don't live up to what we think they're going to be. This lived up to all the NFL Network good morning football hype. And I'm not a football traditionalist, I promise. But what I will say is football doesn't have enough hate and dislike in it anymore. It seems like Mm. this rivalry in particular still has that with Marcus Peters and Deontay Johnson getting into it. Matthew Judon actually hits a ref and actually got thrown out of this game. So good for him on that. Mike Tomlin after the game, he says, we don't fear Lamar. So I'm a firm believer that all sports are more entertaining when there's a little WWE in it. I thought this was a prime example. Ben Roethlisberger only finished with 182 yards, but at halftime, he had four completions for 24 yards. So in that frame of reference, I thought it was a pretty good turnaround for someone who's 38 years old. Maybe you don't expect that. This was the stat of the game in a bad way and kissed hit on it. Lamar Jackson had four turnovers by himself, two picks, two fumbles. One was the pick six, which looks like it was right to Spillane. One was a fumble inside the Pittsburgh five, knocked out by who? 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 Bud Dupree, baby. Ask yourself (laughs) this question, right? In a four-point game, why did we lose that football game? Well, four quarterback turnovers. That's why you lost. The Ravens were down 28-24 with two minutes to go, fourth and three at the Pittsburgh 8. And the Steelers sniff out the draw. This reminded me of the Patriots-Seahawks game where everyone in the world knows that it's a keeper. And guess what it was? It was a keeper, and the Steelers were able to stop it. Talked about the Stanley injury. I thought it was good that he secured the bag. Apparently, there's ligament damage there, so that's going to be a long road to recovery. We hope the best for him. He's able to recover. Perhaps a little bit of tape on how to run against the Steelers. No Melvin Ingram and Jackson, uh, or Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins combined for 265 yards on the ground, as well as Jackson. Uh, Wide receiver Chase Claypool had the game-winning eight-yard touchdown uh, reception. He tweeted after the game, losing, never heard of her. Right now, that has 11,000 retweets and 55,000 likes. It used to be, wow, he has it all, and now he has the girl, too. Well, he won the game, and he's got the retweets. So congratulations to Chase. Tweet, tweet of the week. There you go. 
Yeah. Um, you both touched on Lamar's four turnovers. I can think of a team in the NFL incapable of taking a quarterback's four turnovers and turning it into a win. I happen <laughs> to cover them on a daily basis, but that's neither here nor there. Pete, you mentioned Mike Tomlin. I, I know I've said before here, I, I think somehow... And I think it's amazing, given that he coaches one of the NFL's cornerstone franchises. Criminally underrated. I, yeah. I don't get it. And and you're right, because he also fits the the what you want in a head coach mold, right? Like you, you want the coach that's going to talk that mess and, and you know, deliver Specifically the fun Specifically for lines. the Steelers and that attitude, too. Right. No, I completely agree. Um, this was a fun game. Uh, a little peek behind the curtain for everybody here. Uh, we generally record Monday mornings, right? The whole Monday football Monday bit and whatnot. And boys, I have started or I have decided to start a new tradition and compare each game to a hearty breakfast meal. Um, you know, and, and this game, you, you both touched on the rivalry, kind of like, uh, you know, some people, not us, are saying the one between Monday football Monday and the oddcast. You know, I mean, we're not the ones saying it, but but people are saying it. And to me, this was like a, I used the word hearty, uh, like a hearty sausage and egg biscuit, mm. you know, just like in maybe a little, a little bit too much butter on the biscuit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That just, just goes right to your gut and you, you can feel it sliding down. <laughs> uh, it, it was perfect uh, in every single way. And it's even like, like in the wrapper's the perfect. Like, you know what I mean? Like you can hold it around the biscuit and just, just fits right in the palm of your hand. So uh, congratulations to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Obviously their undefeated streak will end next week at TNT Stadium, but we'll get to that a week from now. I want to start with Pete here, Kist, um, on this next game. He, did, he deserves it. I know where you're going, and he did, definitely deserves it. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of foods, when we make picks in, in the Monday Football Monday Laboratory, sure. when somebody is on an island, we call those charcuterie board picks. And, you know, Pete Sweeney went out on a limb. He said it last week here on this show. He thought the Bengals could be the, you know, could be a team to knock off the Tennessee Titans, that they would get a big win. Like that. They were they were on the cusp. Pete, who day? Your Bengals. <laughs> let me just Way tell to you go. guys. Yeah, let me just tell you guys. I had to consider giving myself the come up of the week. I didn't do it. Uh, <laughs> but I, I took my second favorite AFC team, of course, the Bengals. And mm-hmm. uh, that was ahead of everybody last week. I know that four of their five losses came by eight or fewer points. I knew that yep. they had Joe Burrow, who was starting to catch up to the speed of the NFL. I knew that the Titans, in a sense, we had talked about this, they felt like they could be pretenders. As I said last week, the Bengals' schedule opened up after this two-game stretch, and watch this. They will be a hot pick to upset the Steelers this week. You're one week late. If you were listening <laughs> to Monday Football Monday, you knew about the Titans ahead of schedule you knew that the Bengals had a chance to beat them they did I said it on the SB Nation Instagram so hopefully I get a couple followers today a couple things that impressed me about this win from the Cincinnati standpoint the Bengals were coming off trading a disgruntled player in Carlos Dunlap to Seattle that's typically a sign of things falling apart oh the contraire after the Bengals jump out to a 10-0 lead, in part due to a Jesse Bates interception in the end zone the Titans cut it to three with a Derrick Henry touchdown What do the Bengals do? They go right back down the field. They utilize T. Higgins and Gio Bernard, which, by the way, is another good note. No Joe Mixon in this game. Anyway, they score again. After it was 10-7, the Bengals scored the next two touchdowns, 17-7 and 24-7. They never took their foot off the gas. T. Higgins did lead this team in receiving, but I do have a quick point about Tyler Boyd. Mm. Boyd had six catches for 64 yards, or 67 yards, I should say, and a touchdown. 
He's quietly in the top 10 in the NFL in receiving yards. I also want to see more of Bernard, even when Mixon comes back. Keep these backs fresh. I think that's the way to go in 2020. For what it's worth, I picked the Steelers on the SB Nation Instagram story. If, if we're talking about our, our <laughs> IG prowess here, I do think it's interesting. I, I thought the Titans coming back was impressive. I don't think I've ever seen the Titans in recent memory, this version of them, however far back you want to go to that, kind of quit or kind of fold. Kissed, you are, you know, Pete said his second favorite team in the AFC. I, I don't think there's any question that, that you of Nashville fame and all, all the millions <laughs> of awards you have won uh, down down near Graceland. You, you're a Titans guy. This is one of those losses that just, hey, you, you can't do it every week. That's how I see it, at least. Yeah, I'm going to be on a pod later today with uh, my boy Buck Reason, who covers the, the Titans. So, you know, well well aware of what this Titans team uh, can be. I'm, I'm still a fan, right? Mama said there'd be days like this. And look, this is this is just what happens when you have one of your worst games offensively while the other team has their best game offensively. And and it's less mm. about the Titans offense for me because the defense continues to be a problem and I had mentioned it in the in the weeks leading up to this and Mike Rabel said that not having a defensive coordinator has nothing to do with it uh to which I counter with 11 of 16 on money downs for the Bengals. The Titans are the worst in the league on third down. It is not close, not even near close. They also didn't even get a sack or a hit on Joe Burrow. When the Bengals were missing four starting offensive linemen, the closest shot they had on him was Jadavion Clowney shooting free up the middle on a blitz, and Burrow just calmly spins away and gets rid of the ball with Justin Simmons bearing down on him like like a true veteran. This is a new problem for the Titans, too, regarding the pass rush and not getting a modicum of pressure. Their biggest issue is their quarterbacks playing off coverage in Narnia while teams carve them up, (laughs) and, and the fact that Jonathan Joseph is 400 years old and can't run with anybody but they've given him over 90% of the snaps in three of the last five games. What are you doing? Like Pete mentioned it, might as well transition to the Bengals here. Like Bengals safety, Jesse Bates, the the pick of Tannehill. Beast. Yeah, ugly throw. And I'll forgive you if you haven't been watching the Bengals defense particularly close, but Jesse Bates is playing like the best safety in football right now. His second pick in three weeks, kid is a baller. Uh, The Bengals didn't sell out to stop the run. Derrick Henry saw eight man box, eight plus man boxes less than 25% of the time. He also had over 100 yards, and outside of the Titans' first scoring drive, the run game just flat out didn't matter. Overall, the the Bengals prioritized the right thing here with the lead uh, in trying to take away the passing game for Ryan Tannehill. Again, I don't think this this says anything about the Titans, right? I have to see more of these struggles, but I am still deeply concerned about this defense and their ability to keep them in games and get off the field on third and fourth downs. That until that gets fixed, yeah, there there is some concern there for the Titans. I can hear the concern in your voice, and that's exactly why they call you Music City Michael. And so, <laughs> I don't want to sound hyperbolic, but I don't know the last time I was this confident in the future of the number one overall pick. You, you just you do get the sense that Joe Burrow's Bengals are figuring it out. I, I go back to that loss they had against the Indianapolis Colts where they coughed it up. Those are things that you know they just kind of have to learn and, and plow through together. Um, if I have arrived at a strong conclusion about the Bengals in a negative way, not that this was really, I guess, up for debate, but like you see the same like trade AJ Green to the Patriots. Dude, AJ Green is, is kind of washed mm-hmm. at this point. Um, Tyler Boyd is great. T. Higgins certainly looks promising. I know you both are wondering what breakfast this particular game matches up for. Again, Joe Burrow's a young guy. There's a, a youthful energy, youthful wave when it comes to the Bengals. This is a classic serving 
of avocado toast. Mm. You know, right there for the millennials, the the Gen Z. Have y'all ever had some avocado toast, by the way? It's, it's not yeah, bad. I make Never it at home. It. I do make it at home. <laughs> I mash up some of the avocado and and we go and we put a little uh, everything but the bagel seasoning on it. So uh, look, look okay. at this. Wait, wait, hold on. We Let's have a person see. that has entered the chat named Ben Denucci. What is what is this? Oh yeah. <laughs> It is the oddcast friendly gun here uh, invading oh, he's Monday football in. Monday after a huge Eagles win. Eagles fans are feeling great after this one <laughs> dominant performance. <laughs> Nothing to complain about. Totally good reasons wow. to feel good about that win if you're an Eagles fan. In all reality, it is very depressing that I'm here under these circumstances. It is supposed to be a blowout win where I came in here and I rolled out the Stone Cold Steve Austin music. Uh, I don't know if Kiss is going to have to edit that out. Maybe he will. But I'm here. What's going on, guys? <laughs> that is the, uh, BLG. the beautiful voice of Brandon Lee Gatton, who you know from Bleeding Green Nation and from some small-time show uh, on the SB Nation NFL show feed. Again, another peek behind the curtain. Kissed Pete and I generally discuss what we're going to talk about put together a little rundown of sorts uh use the platform that we do to record this show right had no indication unless pete's pulling a fast one on uh on on the guy who had to hype in and gas up ben denucci last week that brandon was going to show up no no consider me just a fly on the wall and and let me enjoy hearing mm. you guys talk about the best division in football i like to hear about well this. i can't i can't believe not me had BLG come in and sabotage this show. Uh, Pete is obviously a sleeper agent here working against RJ. Pete, I, I think that's a that's a Bush League move. We have the show notes. We stick to the format. But BLG, man, how you doing, brother? What did you think of the game last night? Because it was 23 to 9, and I was furious. Incredibly frustrating win, Mike. Uh, feels like a loss. You know, you have the Eagles come out here. They're, they're trailing Ben DiNucci who apparently I am, and the Cowboys at halftime. Uh, pretty embarrassing. Carson Wentz, four turnovers. But uh, I'm not going to let this opportunity go by where, you know, the Eagles beat the Cowboys. And there's just so many things I want to bring up. So many articles from the fine site <laughs> that I know called Vlogging the Boys. Just let me read you some of these headlines here. You know, these are all real, by the way. Appreci not... Appreciate all the traffic you drove uh, looking for these, by the way. <laughs> hey, you're, look, you know, we're on the same network. We're supporting each other. And in fairness, RJ did not write most of these i think there's only one in here <laughs> but i have to read some of these and and bear with me guys uh five bold predictions for the 2020 cowboys uh one of these here is mike mccarthy wins coach of the year that's looking good <laughs> mm. every everything's totally the same as it was when we said that definitely right Ca cowboys news uh three reasons why the cowboys will win super bowl this year mm. okay good how the Everson Griffin signing could help Demarcus Lawrence return to another 14.5 sack season. I mean, he has three this year, so. <laughs> Demarcus balled out in Philly last night. Everson Griffin is just the latest smart free agent signing for the Cowboys. Yeah. Shout out. <laughs> Hard to argue. Shout out to the Joneses. Recent history shows how the Cowboys one-year free agent deals keep getting better and better. I mean, they just cut Dontari Poe and uh, Daryl Worley. Daryl Worley. Yeah. Daryl Worley for Eagle. That's looking good. Are the Cowboys on the brink of a dynasty run? We can run by that <laughs> one. Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys are really are perfect for each other. I actually agree with that one. Yeah. That one is accurate. Uh, just a couple more here, guys. Cowboys offensive line coach Joe Philbin, quietly one of the best hires of the offseason. You just have to agree. I mean, you look at you know all the injuries they're dealing with. Yeah, they possibly couldn't over overcome that. Except when you look at the Eagles offensive line, the injuries they're dealing with, and their offensive line coach is doing okay. Uh, the people betting the over for the 2020 Dallas Cowboys are doing so with confidence. 85%. I wrote that one. 
That was me. Arguing with that one. That wasn't his take. In fairness, I'm just he's just showing that 85 percent of the, the handle here is betting on the Cowboys for more. Post game data reveals the Cowboys might be poised for something big in 2020. There's definitely poised for something big, not something good, big, but bad, big. <laughs> Trade for Jamal Adams. No thanks. The Cowboys are a Super Bowl contending team without him. I mean, the Seahawks are looking like a Super Bowl contending team without him too. So I guess that's fair. Uh, why trade? No, oh, this one's really good. Why trade for Jamal Adams when the Cowboys already have a top five safety tandem? Um, Isn't that when Haha Clinton Dix was actually on the team? So I will say this: this was honestly the best sort of game for Cowboys fans. I truly believe that, and I I think that you both, Pete, I guess is abstaining here, will agree. They they looked. This was honestly the the best coaching performance that we have seen from Mike McCarthy. We had yet to see the Cowboys look even competent without Dak Prescott. I thought they looked fairly confident. I thought they looked like they were hindered by a rookie seventh round quarterback that was playing at freaking JMU last year. Yeah, the Cowboys lost, but cool. Cowboys currently hold the sixth overall pick in the NFL draft. And meanwhile, the Eagles are convincing themselves that a quarterback who Ben DiNucci outplayed at times whoa, last whoa, night. Whoa, 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 easy there. Carson Wentz is the, the fact, the idea that people want to debate him with Dak Prescott is, is hilarious at this point. When one of the best people associated with Billion Green Nation has already admitted that Dak Prescott is the superior quarterback in the division. That's, that's, I mean, I did. And I was right. <laughs> And I'm not going to apologize for it. <laughs> I don't know. What, I don't know what you want me to say to that. I mean, I was accurate. I have I have no dog in this fight. I want to emphasize this and this part of what I, I'm about to say. This is not impressive. But the Eagles have the best and healthiest quarterback currently in the division. They have the best and healthiest weapons in the division, and their defense is second best in the division. But Washington's quarterback situation is so bad that it doesn't matter. I'm ready to call it three, four, and one. Unless the Giants do something miraculous with Danny Dimes, I don't anticipate it. This is over. Three, four, and one. The Eagles are going to win the NFC. It may not be with more than six wins, but they are clearly the best of this embarrassing division. BLG, who has the longest leash associated with the Eagles? I asked y'all's pal John this last week. Is it is it Howie Roseman? Is it Doug Peterson? Or is it Carson Wentz? It's Howie Roseman. Interesting. Very much, unfortunately. Because I, I think a lot of Eagles fans would say that that should be the number one person to go. I would say that's the number one person to go. Howie Roseman has been in the Eagles organization for 20 years now. Since 2000. Mm. Like, since the, since the millennium. Now, obviously, he hasn't been in power that whole time. He's been a general manager since 2010. And then there was that year that Chip Kelly had control. But it's like, it's just time. Like, you look at this roster. It's the second most expensive roster in football. If the Eagles weren't in this NFC East, like what's their record right now? And you're paying all this money for this. So to me, it starts at the top. I don't think the talent is good enough. Uh, you know, Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback and a lot of guys hurt. Mm, and a quarterback the better team, than Carson Wentz, yeah. A Philly special. A team, a team that yeah, that <laughs> happened. For as much as things go bad in Dallas, you know, and like the kind of the bottom falls out and players kind of quit on Mike McCarthy, or at least having more so recent weeks, sure. that doesn't happen in Philly with Doug. Like, that, I, I totally agree. They don't quit on it. So there's something about the culture there. Uh, Wentz, obviously, I mean, if he keeps playing like this, he's going to have to get benched. But uh, yeah, it should be Howie. Do you guys want to win the NFC East? I mean, because <laughs> no. I, I, I do think, I, I mean, like the Cowboys have the obvious, you know, like layer of, yeah, you've got a tank, you've got a whatever. But like the Eagles are, are just as much there. And I, I do imagine you would be worried 
that winning it would lure the organization into this false sense of security because of like what Pete said, like, you know what I mean? Like, wow, we won the division. We're, we're badass, you know? And so I, I hope that happens for you. I, I hope you, you feel shame. Right I now. think it would have to go really, really poorly for them to lose the division. And that has a lot of impacts just outside of a draft slot, having a better draft pick, right? Like that means mm. receivers got hurt or regressed poorly. That means Wentz continues to play scattershot and maybe even worse and terribly. That means the defense fell apart. That has so many different ramifications to it. I want to win the East, but I actually I want to do it competently, not in the way that they did it last night and against the Giants, right? Give me an uptick from that. Give me some better performances from units and players. And I'm okay with with losing some some dra- you know some draft slot in the in the first and second round. You know, my last thing for uh, for BLG while he's here, I believe it was you, Brandon, that wrote something over the off season about how uh, the NFL has been giving the Eagles an unfortunate disadvantage while rewarding the Cowboys and giving them an advantage from a scheduling perspective. Well, the Eagles, after a home Thursday night game, got to host the Dallas Cowboys, who were coming off of a road. Sunday game the week before. Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at that data over time, though, you still see like the Cowboys don't have to play on the road on a short week, which is like which coaches, players, everyone will tell you is a massive disadvantage. They'd never have mm. to do it. They literally never have to do it on a short week of their own mm. uh, against another team. Not 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 talking rest disparity. There's always going to be rest disparities. I'm talking about same amount of time, but them being the road team. They can be the road team on a Thursday game. It's okay. Let it happen. <laughs> Uh, I, I want to leave you guys with one thing. Yeah, please, I'll leave you guys please, on the whatever you want. It's really impactful. Do you remember when the league looked on the Jones family and their leadership of the Cowboys as a joke? Now, with the exception of one notable contract, obviously talking about Dak Prescott, they are just killing things from hiring Mike McCarthy to the stunning draft and all these free agent moves. The Cowboys are doing things right. Mm, yeah. Is that RJ? <laughs> that doesn't sound like me. Okay. Brandon, uh, we appreciate the uh, the unexpected time. That project that you and Stats are working on, I hope it takes off a little bit. <laughs> Cute little thing you guys got going on. Is it on Tuesdays? Comes out Tuesdays. You can listen to the Oddcast, <laughs> and it's it's a great it's a great show. Okay, check out Bleeding Green Nation, uh, where you can hear Kissed, of course, on BGN Radio all the time. Brandon, you are the man. Thanks so much for joining us. See you guys. By the way, that game was all-you-can-eat pancakes because the NFC East is the gift that keeps on giving, baby. Pete, how did you feel about that? We're just sitting, you know, sitting at the booth, enjoying our meal together, and and all of a sudden somebody comes in and, and oh, you guys are going to order this, we're going to order that instead. I mean, how how are you feeling right now? It was quite a surprise. I I was shocked by it. Um, I enjoyed it though. I I will say sometimes the best things in life are surprises, and uh, who knows? Maybe I'll be getting a surprise birthday party next week. Since we had a surprise, we're going to take a moment to stabilize ourselves everybody hold on um i i don't know what breakfast food to compare the cowboys eagles game to so go go find one go get a snack come back we'll be back in a second after this break from a word from our sponsors hey this is scott galloway author professor entrepreneur and most importantly host of the prop g podcast we got a special series running on right now called the future of work where i answer all your questions on surprise the future of work Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Hope everybody enjoyed whatever snack that you had. 
we did not have one. That is the magic of podcast editing. The New Orleans Saints and Chicago Bears met at Soldier Field. Always reminds me of the 2006 NFC Championship game when that happens. And the Saints lasted, outlasted the Bears in overtime. Nick Foles didn't have enough magic in this particular matchup. Taysom Hill was involved. Javon Wims fired the shot, heard round the world. <laughs> Pete, have you ever been sucker punched? I have been sucker punched. Uh, I when when Brandon showed up like ten minutes ago. Yeah. Well, that and yeah, I another time when I was a kid, and I I have a I have a stone draw, so it didn't really impact me all that much. Um, yeah. Do want to talk about the game a little bit here? I know the Bears are five and three, and I know the defense is good. I just for the life of me, I can't get behind of them because of the quarterback situation. So when it's twenty three to thirteen Saints in the fourth quarter, and that Bears team finds a way to force overtime, granted it took a fifty one yard field goal by Cairo Santos, but it still makes me think that maybe the Saints are just not in the NFC Championship Sunday class. Twenty six twenty three overtime win over the Bears was the Saints third in a row by three points. And that gives me similar feelings as I had in a sense to the Tennessee Titans. Is this just a matter of time, you know? Mm. Other points here for Chicago. Allen Robinson continues to look like a top 10 wideout and weapon with a quarterback that plays well about 50% maybe of the time. Six receptions lead the Bears with 87 yards and a touchdown. What if Robinson was with Russ or Patrick or maybe even a breeze? Rookie fifth rounder Darnell Mooney continued to look good as well. He had a nice day with 69 yards and a touchdown Uh, you hope the Bears can figure out a quarterback sometime soon way easier said than done but this to me is the textbook definition for just a quarterback away on the New Orleans side speaking of quarterbacks Breeze was good in this game 31 of 40 for 280 Alvin Kamara was the leading receiver but Breeze hit 10 different receivers including Taysom Hill who had the last touchdown of the game Will Lutz hit a game winner for the third straight week uh, Lutz apparently, and this was reported, he was turning blue after the game because of the ice in his veins. <laughs> mm. Kissed, you um, you have a, a bit of a bit. I don't know if you know this or not, where you um, you call out football cowardice, and you said on Twitter that the football gods would punish the New Orleans Saints for their football cowardice. Football gods proved you wrong. How do you feel? But it's not always immediate when the football gods punish you. I did hate the decision. <laughs> But here's what's going to happen. Last four weeks, the Saints have beaten the Lions by six. They've gone to overtime with the Chargers. They beat the Panthers by four. And they just went to overtime with the Bears. That punishment from the football gods is coming soon. They can't push the ball more than five yards down the field at a time. And I know they're missing Michael Thomas, but Drew Brees has the lowest intended air yard average in the league. They cannot push the ball downfield. They are not going to be be able to score in the playoffs. I don't care. Like, the the amount of points they put up on the Bears was respectable, but on the other side of the ball, I mean, the Bears' offense is terrible. And for anybody, any Bears fan to think that this defense is going to be good enough to win them a playoff game, you're out of your doggone minds. And they still may make the playoffs. I get that. But they also have a rough stretch of games in front of them, too. Like, two weeks ago, I said they may go one in four in their next five games. Now they have to go one and two in the next three, and they play so they, they play a few good teams, including the Minnesota Vikings, who just upset the Green Bay Packers. So, I mean, you look at this team, and I can't see either uh, – these teams – I can't see either of them as legitimate threats. The the Bucks are going to run away with the South. Uh, the Saints are going to be wild card one and duns. The Bears might make the playoffs. They're going to be one and duns. This game was so doggone boring. I was praying for it to end, and they just dragged it out <laughs> as long as they could. What an awful, awful game. These teams are not good. I don't care what your record is. 
they are not going anywhere. I joked earlier about the time falling back. This game caught me, <laughs> obviously, getting ready for Cowboys-Eagles on Sunday Night Football. It was dark. You know what I mean? Like, it felt like it was late, and it, it wasn't late. Mm. And it, it felt like I was behind. Like, somehow I was missing the Cowboys-Eagles game or something. Uh, so it really just messed with my sort of mental state, which I was not a fan of. Um, yeah, it's true. Um, I will say now that I believe the New Orleans Saints lose their next two divisional games because I'm with you. I'm I'm with both of you. I think they're a paper tiger of sorts. It was heavily advertised that they will visit the Tampa Bay Buccaneers next week on Sunday Night Football. NBC lost out on that Tampa Vegas game last week, so they're definitely going to get their Tom Brady's worth. But the next NFC South game for the Saints comes two weeks after week nine. In week 11, the Saints host the Atlanta Falcons. ATL is going down to the Superdome. They're getting that dub. Mark, this Brian, that's a Brian Hill to die on if I ever heard one. Look, that's a bold call, and I, I'm going to make you stick to that, RJ. But before we move on from this game, I, I do want to give out my yeet of the week, and you kind of oh, alluded to on, it already. Most right. important right. award right. that awards. Monday Football Monday hands out. Javon Wims gets poked in the face by Chauncey Gardner-Johnson at the play before the incident goes down. Chauncey mm-hmm. Gardner-Johnson, he could be on the all-chirp team, right? If I'm building a chirp team for defense, three of my corners are Jalen Ramsey, Jair Alexander and Chauncey Gardner Johnson. These guys never have their mouthpieces in because they're chirping the entire freaking game at these wide receivers. He gets in Javon Mims's head. The next play, Mims comes off the play, goes up to goes up to Chauncey, takes his mouthpiece out, forgets to take the helmet off, punches in in the helmet. Chauncey Gardner Johnson looks at him as if like he was at an amusement park and a random four year old runs by and like punches you on the knee and then runs away. It's the <laughs> dumbest thing. That uh, what are you what are you doing? And then uh, Wims, after the fact, acting all tough like he actually did anything. The only thing you hurt was your wallet in your hand, brother. Like, what are you doing? But the way he sent that first punch, I got to make it the year of the week. Congratulations. He may <laughs> he, he may get suspended for that. The jury's still out of, from reports as of Monday morning. So. How? Uh, how? It was a clean, stone-cold sucker punch. Then he went after him again. I talked about how we generally have a pretty formulaic way that we're going to do the show. Kissed took the reins on that today and, and it's made it fun this this show has been all over the place uh we very rarely get breaking news while we're on monday football monday i do think this is worth discussing uh certainly something that the rest of our shows here on the SB nation nfl show will get into as the week progresses ravens cornerback marlon humphrey tweeted out that he has tested positive for covid19 obviously our first and foremost thoughts are that Marlon gets well, um, that, that this is not an issue for him. But from a football standpoint, the Baltimore Ravens on the road this week against the Indianapolis Colts. Next week on the road against the New England Patriots. After that, they host the Tennessee Titans. And then on Thanksgiving night, they travel to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Four very large games coming up for the Ravens. If this is a factor... That could really, we've already seen the Steelers take hold of that division. That could that could really change a lot of the AFC playoff picture. Yeah, it's been a, a tough week for the Ravens. Not only do you lose a tough divisional game, but you lose your your stalwart franchise left tackle for the year. And now your your best corner, a top five corner in the league is going to be out for a while with COVID. And obviously, you know, you hope that he recovers well and there's no lingering effects or anything like that. Uh, the Ravens are going through it right now, man, and, and they're going to have to they're going to have to show some real toughness to get out of it. I think they're a tough team and I think they're well coached. and I think they, they will pull through and and start to make a run. But right now it's looking a little shaky. Speaking of digging deep, speaking of grinding it out, speaking of tough wins, the best quarterback 
in the AFC West mm. lost to that. the Denver Broncos on Sunday. The Chargers did it again. 31 to 30 at Mile High Stadium. I don't care what corporate sponsor they're slapping on that thing. Drew Locke gets it done. Wow. Yeah, Drew Locke is not good, but look, th- there's a stat that, that our ESPN stats and info put out that tells you everything you need to know about the Chargers right now. So teams win leading by 17 plus this season. The Chargers are 0-3. The rest of the league is 52-4. and The Chargers' mm-hmm. commitment to the bit, to chargering, is admirable. It's impressive, to be honest. They relocated the bit, too. I mean, this went through a <laughs> yeah. relocation process. San Diego to now L.A. Different quarterbacks and everything. I'm going to guess, Kist, that Drew Locke or some member of the Denver Broncos has has earned the award that Pete does that is, frankly, the odd cast of awards. What you got, Pete? What, what are your thoughts here? As, as you stand atop the AFC West Mountain, I mean, Chargers tried to make it cute, but, but Drew, Locke's, Drew Locke said no. This was one of these games where if you watched the first two and a half quarters and fell asleep late afternoon on the couch, you would have been utterly shocked to find out the final score. In the AFC West, the constant conversation is about who is going to be able to compete with this worldly quarterback, the greatest quarterback ever in his first three years, Patrick Mahomes. And people have gotten on the Herbert train this year for good reason. He, he looks great. The first yep. two quarters and change of this game were all about Herbert arriving and solidifying himself as that second quarterback. And then it's 24-10 Chargers, third and five at the Denver 19, with less than two minutes to go in the third quarter. And Bryce Callahan intercepts Herbert in the end zone by simply fighting and beating Mike Williams in the air. Incredible play. Then an Albert O touchdown from Drew Locke. I'm not going to try to pronounce that name. A Hamilton touchdown from Drew Locke. And on the final second of the game, at the one because of a penalty, Locke sort of baits the rusher and throws a perfect pass on the run to K.J. Hamler, who cradles it. The first half was about Herbert, and the second half was about Drew Locke saying, hey, hey, guys, I'm still here. So the Broncos are now 3-4. and You got the Falcons coming up. You get to 4-4. Four and four. Will this be a turning point and a wild card push? I doubt it, but you never know. Stay tuned. On the other side, Kiss kind of hit on it. I love Anthony Lynn, and how could you not after hard knocks? But that was ugly. The Chargers are 3-14 and 14 in games decided by one score since the start of last season. Eight points. So you could put the nicest guy in the world at the head coaching position but losing in this fashion so many times, that's going to get you fired. And I, I wonder if now that's becoming a thing where the Chargers got to feel like we have the guy finally, you know, after Phillip Rivers. This this actually is legitimate. This ain't the head coach. Tough times for the Chargers. I know you both um, have been anxiously waiting for me to get back to comparing these games to breakfast foods. Pete, you mentioned it was kind of a surprise if you woke up from an afternoon nap. Mm-hmm. You ever you ever go to a, a sort of pancake house type place that's you know serves the the oval plates? You know I'm talking about they got all sorts of you got the egg and the ham and the sausage yeah, and the hash I, uh, browns. I happen to love those type of places. You know how you you get like a couple of pancakes with the order, and you you, you know they bring the food and you're you're, you're overwhelmed <laughs> at how many plates you have. This was those pancakes that, that oftentimes wind up being better than the actual food. So um, shout out to the Chargers for being themselves. Uh, it is time for our quick hits of the week, fellas. Tua and his Miami Dolphins. There was one of us that picked the Dolphins to win this week. Yeah. Speaking of charcuterie boards, it wasn't Pete. It wasn't Kiss. And it wasn't Ben DiNucci, a.k.a. Brandon Lee. God, it was RJ Ochoa. And Tua, I mean, didn't have to do much. 
but holy crap, the Rams just imploded all over themselves then in Miami. Jared Goff specifically, to compare Dak and Wentz is one thing. To compare Goff and, and Dak is, is, I mean, I have to imagine that the Jared, excuse me, that Sean McVay is quite jealous of Justin Herbert being in the same city as him when he has to trot out Jared Goff every week. So last week, coming into the game, I called the, the Rams and Bears the fraud bowl because I was really down on the Bears and I was concerned, you know, less so, but still concerned about the Rams. And look, it's tough to go coast to coast and play in Miami, but they got an extra hour with daylight savings time so you can save your breath for cooling your pies with that excuse. Uh, this really mm. wasn't about Tua, right? The Dolphins offense had three yards right. per play on average. Goff might have the biggest gap from ceiling to floor in the league because he gets hot for these stretches where he week to week or quarter to quarter, he looks like he could be a top five-ish quarterback, like right on that fringe. But with the chance for the bottom to fall out at any moment or against any type of pressure, it's hard for me to take this team seriously because the fear of the inevitable rough patch for Goff looms way too large to ignore. Yeah, I think in that game, it, it was certainly more than two. It felt like the Dolphins' defense and special teams sort of arrived. Miss you, Byron Jones. Which should buy time for Tua. The Rams fumbled three times, two recovered by the Dolphins, one return for a touchdown, two interceptions by Goff. Whole nother story, which you guys kind of got into. Punt return, touchdown by Jakeem Grant. Now, we're talking about the Bills and the Patriots. You don't really look that good. Are the Dolphins this spicy pepper that's in the breakfast food that you're like, did you add a, a little jalapeno to that? Do, are, we, are we not paying enough attention to that portion mm. of the breakfast? The chorizo, baby. It's Miami. And then on the other side, uh, will the Rams please stand up? Will the real Rams please stand up? We don't know who they are. I, I just don't know if they're good or bad or, or what they want to be. I don't know if they know. So uh, McVeigh, it might be time to take take a shirt off again, rally the team. Uh, you think I forgot, by the way. I want to get into my other quick hits here. You think I forgot. Usually the come up of the week, it's a figurative award, right? No, no. This week, the come up of the week is literal. Naheem Himes, two touchdowns, two come ups in the air for the yes. double flip yes. celebration. Celebration of the year. Get this man a beer. The come up of the week. Congratulations to Hines. That was a back mm. backhand spring reverse twisting somersault. He came right up. A lot of sauce on that one. I, I, I like the come up of the week there. I thought that was well deserved. I have boys, the Buffalo Bills. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I, mean, I was going to say, I mean, you were the one who suggested in the rundown putting the Bills on here. I mean, I, I give the Bills credit. It was a little ugly. But if you want to if you want to be the guys, go beat the guys. And I know that the Patriots haven't been the guys, but they've, they've been the guys for so long. I, there's there's a real element to that. Like, good for them doing the work themselves. It was fine. Cam blew, Cam <laughs> blew that game. I, I Belichick has got to be mad right now because he's keeping his team alive. And, and Cam is not it. Jared Stidham isn't it. Brian Hoyer, we know a million times over, is not it. I don't know what the deal is there. want to say a quick point about Minnesota and then one final point. You know who I'm going to talk about. Uh, Minnesota, Dalvin Cook looked like Marshawn Lynch in this game against the Green Bay Package. 226 scrimmage yards, four touchdowns. Madison's great, but the Vikings are the best when Cook is healthy and running. He deserves to be frequently mentioned, I think, in that Lynch, Derrick Henry level. These three guys that I think about, Lynch in the past, uh, Cook and Derrick Henry, make you believe that every NFL team should have one of these hosses, if you can. Some teams don't have that, and you wish that they did. And then the most important note of the week, guys, you know what I'm about to talk about. Patrick Mahomes back in the MVP conversation. Welcome back. 21 touchdowns to one interception, five less than that Cooker in Seattle. And Mahomes leads the league in QBR, which everybody knows is a superior rating. Kissed, I'm looking at you. You know, QBR, way better than passer rating. QBR, NEYA, yeah, it's, it's better than passer rating. I got to give you that. And good good, good for Mahomes for really proving it against the Jets. I thought that was impressive. No Super doubt about big it. underdog Pat Mahomes has been, <laughs> um, you know, so far. So 
really, really impressive. Five stuff. tuts against the Jets. It was a fun show. It was an unpredictable show. Um, and I like that Kiss kept us on our toes. We, we missed you last week, Kiss. We've been thinking about you. We love you. Um, and so we're happy to have you back. It feels normal. feels right, even though we're all technically an hour behind. But who knows who's counting there. That about does it for week eight's edition of Monday Football Monday. Uh, enjoy the New York Giants hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Oddcast will be with you tomorrow. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the SB Nation NFL show on all major podcast platforms. We love you. We'll see you next week. Ben freaking Danucci baby. B-G-N. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.